Well, what a beautiful morning we have today. And Judy and I drove down from the Niles, Michigan area, and blue sky, sunshine, dogwood trees are lovely. Get to church, gather with God's people, people we love here. Worship the Lord in song, worship the Lord in sharing his table, and now we're going to worship the Lord by gathering around his word. I want you to pull out your note outline this morning. You know, some of the greatest stories, the greatest tales, the greatest narratives that have ever been told in human history have involved water or the sea. I want you to raise your hand when you see these. How many of these are you familiar with? either recently or back when you were in school, take a peek at this first story. Ernest Hemingway, the great American author, wrote the novel The Old Man and the Sea. How many are familiar with it? Still popular in high school for one major reason, and what would that be? It's short. That's why high school students will pick this particular novel. Look at the second one. Daniel Defoe's classic about a shipwrecked person named Robinson Crusoe and his good friend Friday. How many are familiar with Defoe's book, Robinson Crusoe? Can you think of any others? How about this one? If you're a junior, uh, a sophomore, or junior in high school, you are required, at least in the state of Indiana, to read The Odyssey, Homer's classic on Odysseus and his adventures. Its twin would be the Iliad. Remember those? Yeah, you're trying to forget some of those, aren't you? How about this one here? The great novel by Melville, Captain Ahab in search of the whale, Moby Dick, the classic. But perhaps the greatest narrative, the greatest sea story in history is this one. The one that we're going to be considering over the next seven weeks together, it's, we're going to be doing studies in the book of Jonah. And I've titled this, The God of the Second Chance. And I want you to know up front that this particular series, this teaching series, is going to give you great hope. Hope for yourself. Hope for your children. Hope for your grandchildren. Because what this table represents right here is that we have a God who says, you know what, I love you enough, I'm going to give you a second chance. And a third chance. And a fourth chance. Because he is a God of grace. And even though you might think in the book of Jonah that the lead character is Jonah or the fish, that's not who the main character is. The main character is God himself who exercises his sovereignty. It's a tremendous book. Most pastors will, need, will never touch the book. When was the last time you heard a sermon series on the book of Jonah? You see, it's usually relegated to the flannel graph crowd. As if God just tossed a bone thinking, i got to put something in there for kids, so VBS will have something to do, so I guess we'll put the book of Jonah you hear the story about Jonah and the snail? Jonah and the snail. That's good. <laughs> Jonah and the whale. And everybody kind of gets a smirk on their face like and wink, you know, like, oh, yeah, Jonah and the whale. Here we go. But I'm telling you, 
This is a significant book. The fingerprints of God are over every single page. And if anybody usually preaches on the book of Jonah, they'll do it because it's four chapters. They'll do it in four messages, not seven. And so we're going to put on our prospector's hat, walk into the cave, and I tell you what, we're going to mine for gold. You ready? We're going to mine for gold. Pull out your note outline. I'd like to read to you this text. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is inspired by God, even the book of Jonah. All Scripture is profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, and for training in righteousness. So the book of Jonah has significance for you and for me. And I don't know when it was the last time you happened to blow the dust off this little book, but I tell you what, you're in for an adventure. And I'm, I'm happy to kind of be your tour guide as we walk through it. Watch as I read the passage that we're going to be considering this morning. I'd also encourage you either to have your cell phone, your, your iPhone, or your, your biblical text open to Jonah chapter 1. I will be referencing a few other verses as well. Are you ready? You follow along as I read the text. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Very first time a missionary was ever sent to the Gentile world. Did you know that? Up to this point in the biblical text, the gospel is only for the Jews. First time, first time, gospel is sent to Gentiles. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Where's that? He went down to Joppa. Where's that? Where he found a ship bound for that port. And paying for the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord, look at the first word, then the Lord responds again. Notice God always takes the initiative. It's kind of like a chess move. God says, okay, I'm going to move here. You go to Tarshish. Jonah goes, you know what? I'm going to move here. Your move. God says, then I'm going to move here. God always responds to our responses. Then the Lord sent a great wind, watch, on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, watch. Each cried out to whom? His own God. You've got pagan sailors. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Unbelievers will always take their own, have their own concept on how to save themselves. But Jonah had gone below. Notice it's the second time we see the phrase, but Jonah. You'll see it in verse 3. You see it in the middle of verse 5. It's the most tragic two words in the entire book. But Jonah had gone where? Notice how careful the biblical narrative is to choose his verbs. Had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. There's so many themes we're going to be dealing with in this book. It's so rich. It tells us so much about the sovereignty of God. 
the care of God, the compassion of God, the love of God, and don't think that this is only for non-Christian people. Don't think this is only for your prodigal son or your wayward daughter or for your grandchild that's right now making stupid decisions. This is for you. Jonah was a believer. Jonah was a believer. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's why we chose that particular hymn to sing. Come thou fount of every blessing. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O taken, seal it. You see, we need our hearts sealed, don't we? Because I have this tremendous tendency, and so do you, to walk. We do it every day. You see, you and I are more like Jonah than like we care to think. And so don't think like, well, I wish my son were here to hear this. wish my daughter could hear this tape. You know what? You and I need to hear it because we're like Jonah as well. What I want you to notice how the book begins. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. In your margin, put this, the word Amittai, that name, Hebrew for the phrase, my truth. He was the son of the truth. Go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. God always uses people to accomplish his purposes. God didn't say, you know what, I'm going to drop flyers over all the the Ninevites, over all these Assyrians. I'm going to drop flyers. I'm going to send an angel to them. No, 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 God. God will always use people. And so we we know that God will be faithful if you have got somebody in your life, and this is going to be one of the themes over the next seven weeks. If you've got somebody in your family, a daughter, a grandchild, a husband, a a brother who's not walking with the Lord, this is going to be for you because God will always be faithful to send somebody to them. Rarely is it the parent. Rarely. We'll talk about that in the next week or two because this is a book about prodigals, isn't it? It's also a book about people who knew the Lord, who know the Lord, who are not walking with the Lord. He was the son of the truth. Jonah knew the truth. He had clearly heard the truth. His struggle was obeying the truth. Does that sound like anybody you know? I mean, I know the truth. I hear the word. That's not where I struggle. I struggle with obeying the truth. Huh? So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to examine four different actions of Jonah and see this morning if they aren't descriptive of us as well as of our family members, our kids, our grandkids. I tell you what, like I said, this is going to give you great hope because there are people sitting here today who have broken hearts. I mean, you're worried sick. You're worried sick because right now you, you say to yourself, you know what, my husband, I mean, he, he knows the Lord, but he's not walking with the Lord. He doesn't give two wits about coming to church. He's not interested in spiritual things. And it's been like that for a really long time. 
And I see no reason to believe anything's going to change anytime soon. And besides that, I look at my daughter, and she's making bad decisions, bad decision after bad decision, and I know what you're saying, Pastor Joel, and I pray and I believe, but it just doesn't seem to work for our family. This is for you. That's why you're going to have hope restored. Could you use a little dose of hope? We all can, can't we? Here's number one. Jonah fled from the Lord. I'm using, notice the very quotes taken directly out of Scripture. Now, he wasn't simply running from what he knew to be right. He was running from the Lord. That's from God himself. That's an interesting distinction. Because, you see, you have got a daughter or a son or a husband. They're not only, they're running from, isn't it interesting, what they know to be right. Now, what they will say is, I don't believe that. I don't believe it. As a matter of fact, I believe this. I believe that this is perfectly okay. I believe that gay marriage is okay. I believe it's okay. I believe there's nothing wrong with, you know, whiskey. I, 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 you, know, I, you know, marijuana. I, really. You see, deep in their heart of hearts, they, they know what is right. But beyond that, there's a bigger issue. They're running from the Lord. And, and, and get this, they know they're running from the Lord. You're going to see that in just a second. And so what's going on with Jonah is you get, the, you get these goofy dynamics of, you know, I'm not going to do that. And we'll talk about later why he didn't want to do it. And incidentally, he had some pretty good reasons why he didn't want to do that. As to his own safety, you know, I want you to go and witness to people in Harlem. I don't think I'm going to do that, see. And there's also built-in prejudice. Joel, I want you to go witness to people in ISIS. I'm not doing that. Why not? Because it's not safe to do it, and besides, I don't like those people. See? So he, he will have some good reasons, and so do we in our own mind, justifications why you don't think you should do that. And so he goes, I'm not going to do it. Besides that, I'm going to run from you too. That's what's going on. Jonah ran. Actually, it should be translated. Listen to this. Jonah fled from being before the Lord. Now, he knew he couldn't flee from God's presence because theologically he knew enough that God is omnipresent. So I, I can't run from God's presence as much, and so I'm going, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna move my body away from anything associated with God. That's what he's doing. He could have said, you know what, I'm not doing it, I'm staying right here, I'm just gonna be rebellious. No, he, he and watch, your loved one will do the same thing and so will you. He literally, geographically, moves himself. Remember, to a Jew, the presence of God was always associated with place. Remember, in the wilderness, Moses in the wilderness, what represented God in the wilderness when they're wandering those 40 years? Well, you got this pillar of fire, and you've got this also, this pillar of cloud, you see, God's presence is associated with location. And then when you start doing this tabernacle stuff, they're carrying around this tent, 
And inside the tabernacle is where the presence of God is, see, in the Holy of Holies, they call it. Remember, to a Jew, the presence, that the person of God is associated with place. And then you've got the Ark of the Covenant, this big piano box, remember? The Ark of the Covenant, they're carrying around there, and then there are these two, two cherubim up on top, and between the wings of the cherubim is what? Shekinah glory, the presence of God. So remember, to a, this guy's Jewish. To a Jew, God is always associated with location, 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 geography. That's why the Holy Land is part of the reason why it's called that. God, God's presence is in Israel. So if you're going to run from God, what are you going to do? I'm out of here. Why? Because this place is where God is. So I'm going to remove myself from the place. Now watch. Let's take a peek at this next one. You know, you'd be disappointed if I didn't show you a map. So look, I'm... Nineveh, do you see those, those two little rivers up there? You know what those are called? Tigris and Euphrates? Garden of Eden's up there. By the way, is Nineveh around today? Ruins are. The ruins are. Is it called Nineveh today? It's called something else. Know what it's called? Mosul. Ever heard of that? It's in Iraq. They're trying to take it right now. Before we away from ISIS. It's Nineveh. It's 550 miles from Joppa. By the way, Joppa, you know where Joppa is? It's on the coast of Israel. You know what it's called today? Tel Aviv. Ever heard of that? Yeah, it's the capital of Israel on the coast, Joppa, see? Now, from Joppa up to Mosul, 550 miles. See where Tarshish is? Rock of Gibraltar? Spain? Isn't that interesting? He's heading the opposite direction. Isn't that interesting? Jonah, I want you to go that way. Got it. Fascinating. Why is he doing that? Because to a Jew, the presence of God is associated with place. If I remove, watch this, if I remove myself from the place, I don't have to deal with God. And that's why your husband doesn't come to church. Because anything associated with God, I will avoid. So I'm not going to go to Bible study. I'm not going to go to that church dinner. The last thing I'm going to do is going to go to that revival. Why would I do that? As a matter of fact, I'm going to locate myself in a place where I don't have to deal with God. But you know what the, you know what the kicker is? That didn't work. Because God knows your address. God, God wasn't back in Israel going, Ugh, can't believe it. You ran away from me and now I, 
Now what am I going to do? I'm stuck here in this country because I'm associated with place. No. Can't run from the Lord. And by the way, neither can your loved one. Neither can you. See? But you'll fool yourself into thinking you can. See, watch this. When you fall for, this, for Satan's deception, the first person you have to fool is yourself. Do you hear what I said? When you fall for the enemy's deceptions, the first person you have to fool is yourself. It's okay to do this. Nobody will know if I'm doing this. Matter of fact, maybe God won't even know I'm doing this. See? And so this, this is some of the dynamic. He fled from the presence of the Lord. Notice, I said to you earlier, typically, you know that you're doing that, but you'll pretend that you don't. Your daughter, your grandson, your husband, your brother, they're not only fleeing from what they know to be right, they're fleeing from the Lord, and watch this, they know they're doing it. Now, they won't admit that, Look down in verse 10, if you've got your Bible open. He, so he boards this ship, and he's talking to these sailors, and watch this. There's some stuff that we don't know that conversations happen. They knew he was running away from the Lord because what? He told them he was. <laughs> What's that about? Hey, can I get on your ship? Sure, you got the fare? Yeah, here it is right here. Okay, here's your ticket. Get on board. Okay, well, welcome. By, by the way, what's your name? My name's Jonah. Good. Where are you from? I'm from here. Really? Yeah. What do you do? Well, I'm a prophet, but right now I'm running from the Lord. I beg your pardon? Yeah, I'm... Part of what I'm doing is running from the Lord. Oh, okay. Well, welcome aboard. Well, I mean, what would possess him to tell them that? They're pagan men. I wonder if he's got a guilty conscience. Isn't it, isn't it fascinating? He knew what he was doing, and he tells people what he's doing. Remember, we had a, one of the other churches that Judy and I had served in, there was this little girl that she's probably three or four years old, and I'm going to call her name Anastasia, uh, because that was her name. I bet she, she had heard at the age of three, and she's kind of a character, she had heard at the age of three that people had, she'd overheard people say, Anastasia's not, not very friendly. And so when you would meet her, you would say, hi, what's your name? And she goes, my name's Anastasia, and I'm not friendly. <laughs> my name's Anastasia, I'm not friendly. You see, you know what you are, and so did Jonah. He knew what he was. So he, fl- he fled from the presence of the Lord, all right, let's take off. By the way, you, you don't run accidentally. Jonah didn't say, man, I just happened to find myself in Joppa. Some guy gave me a ticket. They hauled me on board, and the next thing I know, I'm heading to Spain. No, you don't do that accidentally. You make 
incremental decisions volitionally to run away from the Lord. And that's what people are doing. And I wonder, he was well aware of what he was doing. And so are we. Number two, Jonah went down. This is fascinating. Notice he's going to experience this downward spiral in his life. I want you to notice one of the characteristics, because I'm a person that appreciates words and language, watch how the biblical narrator paints the picture using descriptive words. As a matter of fact, let's put the next screen up. Have you ever seen this connection before? Jonah went down to Joppa. What does that mean? Well, he would have probably been in Jerusalem, which is at elevation. And where's Tel Aviv? Sea level. So literally, altitude, he's going to have to go down. Now, he's not only heading southwest from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv. You've got to head west, but a little bit south. So he's heading, on the map, he's heading down, but he's also heading down in terms of just literal geography. Well, then it says, he gets on board, and notice how the biblical narrator, he's trying to paint this picture for you. He went below the deck. Why would he give that detail? He understands what he's doing. Every word of Scripture is inspired. Jonah lays down. Why doesn't it just say that Jonah fell asleep? He's trying to establish with words this principle. He fell into a deep sleep. Chapter 2, after they pitch him overboard, remember? It says, and he sank down. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. He sank down. He will literally go to the bottom of the Mediterranean. There's reasons that we know that that occurred. It wasn't that he's just, whoa, floating in water. Then some big fish goes, whoop. He will go to the bottom, and the Bible indicates that. Now, I'll explain to you how we know that. So that's holding your breath a long time, dude. Let's see. You wonder if, is he going, or does he think, you know what, I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm a dead man. I'm just going to drown. He goes down. He sank down. One of the lessons that we can learn from this account is that when you run from the Lord, you will begin initiating a downward spiral. And it will progressively get worse. You see that in the book of Jonah. I mean, he thinks to himself, man, I think I beat the system. See? Well, he didn't beat the system. Isn't it interesting? What's he do when he gets aboard ship, besides telling people, I'm running from the Lord? What's he do? He goes below deck, and what's he do? Typical feature of a person running from God, they will want to sleep. I just want to sleep. I just want to go to sleep. He's been taking, he sleeps all the time. Why? Because you don't have to deal with reality when you're unconscious. See, It's just an escape mechanism. So... They just want to sleep. We just want to sleep, see. Now, 
notice it will begin affecting. And, and now, this is what's interesting. God begins putting into, into motion a series of rescues. First thing that God does is says, you know what? We're going to cause a storm. Really? And wind. That's what the Bible says. Really? And shipwreck. Really? And somebody's causing this. Which one of you guys is making the gods mad? I got an idea. Let's draw straws. Isn't that interesting? Who's the lot fall to? Sovereignty of God. It's you. That's right. You're the guy that's running from God. What are you doing? You knucklehead? Throw me overboard. Okay, we will. Kasploosh throws him overboard. Now we're not done yet. Remember? Storm, wind, shipwreck, lot, tossed overboard. Just when you think it can't get any worse. Fish. Man, I hate this. You see, there's a great poem out called The Hounds of Heaven. You can't, you can't outrun God. And he will put into motion a series of ongoing, in, increasing painful things as deterrence to get you to return. Now, eventually, Jonah will. I doubt if he, it would have happened had he stayed aboard that ship. So you get better buckle your seatbelt a little bit because if you're right now running from the Lord or if one of your family members is, God's in the process right now of bringing them back. His method will probably be pain because pain is a terrific deterrent. And we see that in the book of Jonah. So what's going on right now is that the Lord is going to begin implementing procedures to bring him back. God's not doing this because God's mad at him. What are you doing? Well, I'm going to show you, dude, you're going to, you're going to get tossed overboard. I'm going to show you, you're going to get eaten by a fish. I'm so mad at you. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, those are evidences of God's grace. So you better be very careful when you begin seeing Difficult times come into the life of your loved one because they're going to be disguised as evidences of grace. They will be camouflaged. They will appear to be bad. And they probably are. But don't make any mistake. God's hands on this thing. You've got to let it happen. Now, you and I are going to sputter and spit and cuss and complain and grumble and gripe. And... It's all right. God knows what he's doing, see. Number three. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. The devil will provide us with both the reasons and the resources to go our own way. The devil will provide us with both the reasons and the resources to go our own way. Now, I showed you on the map where Tarshish is. Do you know what the likelihood is of finding a, a ship out of Joppa 
heading to Tarshish. That would be like going to South Bend International Airport and finding a nonstop flight to Juneau, Alaska. By the way, same distance. Same direction, same distance. I'd like to book, book a flight to Juneau, really. Okay, great. Where would you like to uh, fly out of? I want a direct flight out of South Bend. No. You're first going to have to fly to probably O'Hare. My guess is, and maybe there's, anybody know, direct flights from O'Hare to maybe Juneau, but not nonstop out of South Bend. Isn't it interesting that the devil had already prepared that? And by the way, it's going to cost you this much. Just a second. Hang on. How much? It's going to cost you $40 for a ticket. Wait a minute. That's exactly what I've got in my wallet. Hey, this is working out pretty good. You see, the devil will always provide you with the resources and the reasons to go your own way. Devil kind of rolls out the red carpet when you decide to go down that path. He had, he had the ship, the destination, and enough money in his pocket to pay for the fare. The devil will fan the flame of disobedience. Now, you got to understand what's going on behind the scenes. You got the devil throwing out the red carpet and putting money in his pocket and good timing because the ships to Tarshish only happen about once every three years out of Joppa, but it's today. And God's going, yeah, okay, well, you, you, you move your pieces on the chessboard, devil, because, by the way, I'm moving my chessboard pieces, too. And I'm going to cause a, a storm and a wind and waves and shipwreck and this fish. And, by the way, you didn't, think that, you didn't see that one coming, devil. So you got behind the scenes. You see these dynamics happening in the spiritual realm. And finally, number four. Notice this interesting phrase. Jonah paid the fare. And that's why we've got to continue to remember there will always be hidden costs to disobedience. There's reasons this was printed in the Bible. Yes, he did, but he was paying for more than a ticket. You see, there will always be a cost to fleeing from the Lord you just don't realize now how big the price tag is going to be. And there will always be hidden costs to fleeing from the Lord because your baggage doesn't fly free. It says in Southwest Airlines, the baggage you take does not fly free. I wrote this some down. There were unintended consequences in Jonah's life. He had no idea. Wait a minute, storm, waves, almost shipwreck, lot points to me, tossed overboard, eaten by a fish. What in the world? See, you didn't, you didn't, those were unintended consequences. You had no idea, Jonah, what's going to happen. But there was unintended consequences in the lives of other people, too. In verse 7, it uses the word calamity. 
In verse 8, it uses the word trouble concerning the sailors. There was this loss of witness in verse 10. Isn't it interesting? Jonah was sent to an unbelieving world to be a blessing to them, and he blows it. The one who was supposed to be a blessing to pagans ended up being a liability for them. Ever think about that? I mean, their ship's knocked all to heck. They're in the middle of a shipwreck, a storm. They had to suffer, but isn't it interesting that God ends up using that to bring these sailors to faith? It's almost like God goes, you know what? Devil, go ahead and give it a shot, but I'm going to redeem this. See, you don't think that God's in control right now what's going on. Oh, he is. Yeah, but the devil's getting his shots in. Let him, let him take the shots. God's got ways of turning that around, see? Huh. I guess I hadn't thought about that. No, we don't. God's pretty big. Very much in control. Remember where we started this morning? The two most tragic words in this book were what words did I tell you? But Jonah. But Jonah. But Jonah ran. But Jonah got on the ship. But Jonah headed to Tarshish. But Jonah said no. But Jonah was running. But Jonah, but Jonah, but... Isn't it interesting, that's not the only place a phrase like that appears? Because the last thing I want you to do is jot down at the bottom of your note outline this text, Romans 5.8. You know what that says? But God. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were Jonah's, while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. Is that good news? Is that, you know what? The gospel that literally means good news, it's great news. But Jonah, but Jonah, but Jonah, but God, Beloved, that is the hope we take from this book. God's bigger than Jonah. God's bigger than what your loved one is dealing with. You're going to take great hope. Welcome to the sermon series. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for your compassion and loving kindness. We thank you, Lord, that you are in control, even when it doesn't look like it, even when it looks like the devil's winning, when all heck's breaking loose. Father, we confess that there are times that we run out of fear and prejudice and just don't want to. But Lord, you lovingly bring us back you demonstrate your own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I pray, Lord, that you will restore hope in each of us. That, Lord, for any Jonah here today, which includes all of us, and Jonah's in our lives, that you will motivate us, Lord, to pray and to trust you because you're very much at work. Go before us in these weeks. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand so we can bless one another as we're dismissed? If you're a guest with us today, um, I would just ask that after I pronounce the blessing, you would join the congregation in responding and also to you, and in that way we'll bless one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. May you not flee from the presence of the Lord. May you have a but God experience if you are running. And may the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give you peace. Amen. You are loved. Go with grace.